All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and once again, my microphone is covered in cat hair, and it's poking me in the mouth, and it's disgusting. That's gross. Um, I'm Marion Marketer, and um, I don't know what to say. I don't. Life has been rather calm, uh, besides, you know, the news. Um, oh, Jesus. So, like, yeah, I don't really, yeah, mm-hmm. We're living. We're just, I'm just, I'm just floating We're along. vibing. Trying to. Trying to vibe. Trying to not rock the, rock the waves <laughs> of my life. Um, do you want me to go first? Yes. Since, uh. You have one I am, more. I have one more so than you. Um, I read Persepolis 2 by uh, Mar... Oh, now I forgot how to say her name. Marjan Satrapi. Um, this is, as you may have guessed, the second book in Persepolis. Now, in the last <laughs> really? episode... In the last episode, when I said it's weird that a book... When a book has a number in the name, like to be like Persepolis 2, I was actually not thinking of Persepolis when I said that. But that said... It is kind of weird when it has a number in the name. <laughs> it is good for knowing what the next book in the series is. I appreciate that. Um, anyway, this book is kind of about uh, Satrapi's life after she leaves Iran. Um, and she goes to live in France, Austria, Germany. I forgot. I'm so sorry. It's been a few weeks since I read it. <laughs> um, she anyway, she leaves and she goes and lives in Europe. Um, and uh, she has a very different life experience there. Um, I really liked the second volume. It was a lot about like the first volume is obviously about her personal experience. And I love that. The second volume is is about like her personal experience, like her love life and like a period in which she was dumped and like living on the street and like having this really very difficult time in her life. Um, I a lot of people, I guess, don't really like the second volume as much as the first volume because it's it feels more like a general memoir because it is more it not more but a lot of it is about like her personal relationships and that kind of thing but i loved that as like i think it's so important to know that like this first volume where you know she's experiencing all of this political activism and like these radical changes in her country and then she leaves the country and then she has like experiences that like are just like normal I mean, she was robbed of. Yeah. I mean, well, it it wasn't really that she was robbed of them. It's just it, it complemented the first volume really well, I think, where, you know, it's all this political drama, but she's still experiencing these very personal um, hardships and changes. And they aren't treated with less importance just because they are personal hardships. Um, now, of course, they're going to be treated to some degree with equal importance because they are it's autobiographical, right? Like she's writing about things that really happened to her. Um, but I really liked that balance. I really liked the fact that like, you know, it, it really is like she is a person, you know, she is a person experiencing all of these things. And she goes through all of these different changes and it follows her up until adulthood um, where she ends up getting married and then divorced. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. And I, I just I think her artwork is amazing. The just like the really stark black and white um, and the almost like 
cartoonish expressions and stuff really lend it this like it doesn't feel like anything else um there are other memoirs there are other graphic memoirs um but this one really does just feel so unique and so wonderful um yeah i really really liked it maybe not as much as the first volume but i still really really enjoyed it even um as it shifted somewhat focus toward you know her personal relations relationships but honestly i find that kind of thing really interesting like i love my lesbian experience with with loneliness um i love really you know personal 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 stories um i just find them very interesting that's all i have to say about that uh i read magic for liars by sarah Cayley, um which was suggested to me by missy um so the first half, so this is a story about um, Ivy Gamble, and I only remember that because I literally looked it up because I never remember <laughs> names. Um, she's hired by a, a magic school that her sister teaches at to solve a murder. A murder. A murder. Um, Why do we always say it? I don't know. Where does that originate? Uh, I'm something. Probably. Probably. Um and she is not magical. She has no magic powers. And so, which is part of the reason why she was hired to solve the murder of a woman who was essentially just fucking blown up. Um, she's ripped apart, I believe, uh, which tracks. Um, and the first half was kind of boring. Like, it wasn't boring, but it was just like all this setup that I'm just like, okay. I get what you're doing. And then you get to the last, like the second half, and you're like, all right, well, here it all is. It's all here. <laughs> this is where everything is. And it just goes and go- like it's it was really good. I very much enjoyed the second half. Do you I'm just curious. Do you read a lot of mysteries or like no, mysteries very much? Mm-mm. I th- I think that might be a yeah. a, a genre. There's a, like the investigate the early investigation yeah. phase is is quite different from the When rest. she started getting closer to like what was going on and she started like really interrogating the kids and the, and um her sister, mm-hmm. that's when it started I really liked it. Um I do appreciate the first half in showing her insecurities. Yes. I think it really sets up the insecurities that she has. And like, I keep going back and forth. Like, is she a good detective? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is she a good detective or like, and like there are parts where I'm like, yeah. And then there are parts where I'm like, I think you're just like kind of a shitty person and it works for you in this situation. That's like you trust nobody and that works. That's one of the things I really, really liked about her character was I was like, oh, you are just a fucked up person. Yeah, I very much enjoyed the relation. I knew something was going to happen with the relationship where like it's spoilers. It didn't like work out. Yeah. Because I remember you saying it were my, like, the Hazelwood ending. Yeah. You of it. And I really liked the guy. So I like, did, too. So like, good. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, dude. Yeah. I uh. was I really, really liked him and like I wanted it to work out, but at the same time I was like, it's not the time. She's not there. Um, you can't start a, a relationship out with a huge lie. Yeah. A huge lie. Um, but yeah, once that started going and she really started getting into like the students and the fucking awful students and and uh more spoilers, um, the abortion mm-hmm. and the cover up and all that stuff it started getting really interesting and um i really liked the second half a lot um i'm so tessa bailey's next book it comes out and it is a mystery so now i'll be curious to see how i feel about that yeah um because i i love every tessa bailey book i've read i think you might like uh sarah gailey's other books what is uh they have a few books out now um Oh, I had good reads that's so okay. The Echo Wife is coming out in paperback now, and I feel like The Echo Wife has something to do with mermaids. I haven't read it. I know they also do a series of short 
alternate history stories in which there are like hippo cow, like they're cowboys, but with hippos or something. I haven't read them. <laughs> um, but oh, yeah, this has got genetically cloned replicas. Yeah, I feel like you might enjoy Sarah Gailey's other fiction. I'll have to add this to my Libby. I have read, I've read some of their short fiction and I can't remember what, but I know I have read some of their short fiction and enjoyed it. And I, I really liked Magic for Liars. Um, so I thought, I think you might enjoy some of their other work. Yeah, it was it was good. It definitely would have never been a book I could read. <laughs> There's a lot going on there um, that like you have to pay attention to. And I'm not good at paying attention when I read, which is why I like to read shitty romance books because you don't really have to pay attention. <laughs> it's kind of like reading fan fiction where it's like, I don't know. They'll explain it again later. Well, it's. I know that's not entirely true no, for it you. Is definitely, because you you love the Game of Thrones books, but I'm talking are... about specifically reading. Like, oh with yeah, my okay, okay, okay. With my eyeballs. Well, I mean, you have to pay attention to like Game of Thrones too. Yeah. So even if it's an audiobook form, you're still paying attention. Yeah, I'm still paying attention. I'm just saying, like, um, it's. I think. Okay, I don't want to. Like, I don't think. That books is so I'm so weird. I don't think that books <laughs> I'm a weirdo that I can you read. see this hat. <laughs> I don't think that books that I can read with my eyeballs well are bad books. Mm -hmm. But it tends to be easier to read certain types of books than it does others. Like I read half of um, The Darkest Part of the Forest and it was really difficult for me to get through despite loving it and I was like you know what I gotta go to the audiobook because I will devour it really I would, quickly I would hazard a guess here and this is totally a guess yes that it has to do with the complexity of the prose oh, I think so and the frequency of dialogue because I, yes because one one of the things that there was that thing going around the the different text the biotic which is wild yeah so wild. it works for me very well a lot of romance books and like I don't mean this in a derisive way but like fluffier books yes they go they have a lot more paragraph breaks and yes. dialogue that make it easier to for your eye to track and so through does the page fan fiction and so does i read a lot of fan, fan fiction. fiction does and um i think that when you're heavier like prose heavy books yeah tend to have longer paragraphs and more less dialogue and yeah. that kind of thing because it's i don't think it's a very like cut to the point type of thing because i feel like holly black's book like writing is very much to the point it, it is but it is also but very it like is very yeah very indul not indulgent but like uh descriptive, descriptive. but it, the descriptions so are um they are like stark <laughs> yes and they are very much like shit's real yeah. so i would 100 percent agree with that i would 100 percent agree with that because i tend to like books that have more dialogue but when i'm reading or when i'm listening to a book it doesn't necessarily matter right because i am literally listening to dialogue yeah like i talk i'm reading acceptance right now the mm -hmm. third book in the southern reach trilogy or the annihilation which have the prettiest covers they they really really do Never in a million years would I suggest that you sit down and read them. I would suggest that if you want to, you should listen because yeah. I'm having trouble keeping my eyes focused on the page and I yeah. read a lot. I could never like read Game of Thrones, but I, I got through a lot of Game of Thrones like yeah. really quickly. So it was interesting. So Whereas I, I could not fucking handle the audiobooks of Game of Thrones. I had to switch to the paper. I am so like it takes a bad audiobook reader to like, really turn me the off. The thing is, I would define the Game of Thrones audiobooks as bad with that le leprechaun accent for Tyrion when none of the other Lannisters have a leprechaun I'm sorry Irish accent but it's it's leprechaun in the case of Tyrion I 
need to find the part of um I, I think it's Wicked King where uh K is in it and they make her sound like if you were to imagine what a pixie sounds like. I think you showed it to me. Oh my god, it's so bad. Like no one was like, actually she lived most of her life <laughs> as a fucking human. <laughs> She does not sound like that. I think they fixed it in the second, in the third book. Also, listening to the narrator of the Game of Thrones audiobook sing The Bear and the Maiden Fair oh made me want to die. And it was like not one time. It was over and over and over again. And I was like, I'm fucking done with this. Sometimes like audiobook readers are so good though. Like yeah. some like I really liked the the Cruel Prince series, um, especially when they had to say Jude five million times. <laughs> like it just worked. I don't know. I want it read by Microsoft Sam. Oh my Jude. God. Jude. 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 <laughs> it, well, it was nice the way, it, like, I don't know, like, I would imagine reading that has a very, like, you're not necessarily reading Jude over and over again, but you're yeah. seeing it. It's a very visual thing. And I think that the way they did it made it a visual thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, so some, some, some audiobook uh, readers are just really good. Um, and some are Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> I have not read, well, I have, or I have not listened well, I've listened to, I think, one or two books that have, like, graphic sex scenes, and those are a little awkward. <laughs> I did that one time on the bus. I don't remember what I was listening to, but it was, like, it was, like, a really, it was a rainy day. Like, it was pouring down rain, and it was standing room only on the bus, and we're all packed in, like, sardines, and it's hot and sweaty, and then this sex scene comes on, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I cannot deal with this. And, like, I'm... Uh, like it the, I always call myself a prude it's not that I'm a prude I'm just like really uh private and um I don't know how to describe it I'm just I'm just a bit of a prude we'll just go with that I'm a bit of a prude that's not the case but I'm a bit of a prude and um I was blushing like head to toe <laughs> with this I don't what would I even have been listening to that I would have had a sex scene me. I don't know what it was but I was like overcome um okay so i've read a couple i've listened to a couple of books that have i'm looking at my audible right now and so like obviously like um from blood nash has some graphic scenes um tessa bailey's books have some graphic scenes and and of course um there's uh scarlet st Clair's book i can't remember the name of it and i can't find it um and then uh, Court of Silver Flames. And like mm. Court of Silver Flames wasn't that. But like sometimes it's just so much that I'm just like, I don't know if I should be listening to. Like, is this yeah. allowed? Yeah. Like sometimes well, when it's really good, like when I was listening to uh, Red, White and Royal Blue, it felt so intimate that I was like, should I be listening to that? <laughs> this is a really intimate moment between these two. Anyways, I've gotten off topic. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was good. The second half was really good. The first half was OK. Cool. I think I think you should check out some of their other books. I feel like yeah. you might like them. I should at least the Echo Wife. I'm gonna put on my Libby right now. Um, I read Beneath the Sugar Sky by Seanan McGuire, which is in the Wayward Children series. The Wayward Children series is not like linear. You can kind of hop around in it wherever you want. You don't have to read the books in order. I'm reading the books in order because I'm a little freak. So um, Beneath the Sugar Sky is the third one, and this one follows a actually numerous characters there's multiple characters in this one um but the main plot is that um cora who is a new oh the basic premise of the wayward children series in case you haven't heard of it or in case you don't remember me talking about it before is it takes place at a like sort of boarding school for kids who have um had their own little portal fantasy stories so things like narnia um 
other ones like Narnia, books where, you know, a kid goes through a door and ends up in a fantasy land and then has to come home. This series asks what happens when they come home. And in this case, the series takes place at a uh, a boarding school for these kids who often are looking for their portals so that they can go back to their true home or who are trying to get over the desire to go to go to this portal and live in the world that they were born into. Um, and in this case, the story is about Cora, who came from a mermaid world, basically. Um, and Cora, like, is established as um, like a young fat girl who has been judged her whole life for being fat and been like considered to be like unhealthy and all these things when in fact she's very healthy and one of the benefits of going to this um, mermaid world is that it was a place where her body was like perfectly suited for it she's strong she's able to like you know go in the cold water and like it just really plays to her strengths so coming back to the the world that she was born into feels like now very uncomfortable um and she expects is because she's now at this school and you know she's been to school before she expects everybody there to be really nasty about her being fat um because that's been her experience so far in in this world but in fact because she goes to this school full of misfits and like every like everybody there is a little strange um whether it's strange in the sense of like they themselves are strange or that they are like not normative in some way they are queer they're trans they're um mentally ill like whatever it is they're disabled um everybody there is like not the norm in one way or another anyway that's the premise this isn't the plot the plot is that um a girl from another universe, another portal shows up and she is demanding to know where her mother is. And it turns out, and this is spoilers for the first book, uh, which is every heart a doorway. Um, Her mother is Sumi who died in the first book and clearly did not have any children because she was like a child. Well, she was a teenager. And so everybody's like, well, how the hell did that happen? Um, But they're going to have to figure it out because this new girl is disappearing um, and will presumably disappear forever if they don't figure out how, like, what happened to the timeline or what went on. So they go on this different quest through several different portal worlds. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun and I really liked it overall. I like, I think that the worst wayward children book is still better than the majority of books (laughs) out there. Um, it wasn't my favorite and, I think the reason is that there were a lot of characters in this one and I just felt like I wasn't getting as much of a single character's perspective as I wanted to. Like I really wanted the kind of like um, deep personal dive that the previous books had given me. And this one wasn't, wasn't quite the same. It was a really fun quest and it was, it was, it's still, like I said, it's still an excellent book. It just, it didn't do it for me quite as much as the other two that I have read so far. Um, the other issue is I actually would have liked this. These are all novellas. They're very quick, breezy reads. Um, I actually would have liked this one to be a little bit longer because I thought that everything that McGuire was doing with Cora being fat was really good. Like I, I genuinely really liked it. And she was saying a lot of things that I thought were like really good to hear and really effective. But because the length of the novel is so short, it did at times feel like that was all that Cora thought about. And I wanted I wanted that to have a little bit more room to breathe. Um, it was, again, still very effective, still really enjoyable. 
I just wanted a bit more breathing room between those scenes. I didn't, I actually didn't want any of it to go away. I just wanted it to have more space between it. Um, but again, overall super great book. I can't recommend this series highly enough. Like I think it's so, it's so refreshing and it's so like, I don't know. It's just exceptionally well done. There's really nothing else like it, despite the fact that it is clearly a play off of portal fantasies, which are, you know, a common genre. Um, there's nothing else like this one. The closest comparison, I, I think, is probably something like uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which I couldn't get into. Like that one didn't do it for me. But Wayward Children, absolutely killing it at every step. I love this series. I really need to read more Sean and McGuire. This is actually, I think I've read some of her short fiction, but not her other novels um and she has a lot of novels she's a very prolific writer mm. i don't know how the fuck she can be so prolific <laughs> not like not just like the fact that she writes so many books but that she writes and they're all fucking good how are you writing that much and it's that good every time <laughs> like i can't sibley cannot relate i write slow as hell like so slow but she's like oh here's here's another best novel you've ever read <laughs> just nonsense anyway the series is great. Beneath the Sugar Sky isn't my favorite in the series, but like I said, the worst Wayward Children book is still like a really fucking good book. So, um, I watched Heartstoppers, which is the Netflix series about the two boys who love each other. Um, it's a British show as well, and it's about um, Charlie, who is a gay boy who's, who's out at <laughs> the school. Way you said that. It sounded like gay boy was one word. <laughs> gay boy. And he's a gay boy. He's a gay boy. I mean, he is. And <laughs> um, it starts with him in the beginning. Like, find, you see that he has like a secret rel- relationship with a really shitty person who says he's not gay, but they like to make out a lot mm-hmm. um, and doesn't want anyone to know about it. And you fi- also find out like the previous year he was bullied terribly, just absolutely horribly. Um, and... Then he meets fuck, fuck. his yeah. new friend. Fuck. It's Charlie and uh, XCX Nick, the chocolate factory. No, <laughs> it's Nick. And Nick is like star of the rugby team. He is a personified golden retriever. <laughs> like he looks like a golden retriever. He acts like a golden retriever. Good. He is a bi golden retriever. Good. Um, he starts to the like- ideal man. <laughs> He really is. He is like Nick is so sweet and good and like almost always does the right thing without feeling so like annoying or fake. I think Um, he starts to like Charlie and they hang out a bunch and then he slowly through the series um, like discovered because he never thought he he always thought he was straight. He's like, I've always loved girls, Um, girls, girls, girls. (laughs) And uh, he learns a lot about being bi and what that means and how it, what it means to him and his relationships. And it was just really cute. Um, I thought that I, people fucking love this show. They fucking love it. And I like it. I got a little like a, I, I stopped watching it for a little bit. Like I wasn't bored. I just didn't feel the urgency to like keep watching. Uh, I watched it on my lunch in the background and it was good and it was cute and I liked it. And there's a trans character and she's awesome and so fucking pretty. Everyone else is so normal looking like, you know, (laughs) and then there's just, what's her name? And I'm like, you are so fucking pretty. How I don't even know. Um, 
Because, like, there's this one, one of her friends is supposed to be, like, the really hot girl. And I'm, like, I know this is, like, the UK where it's not a lot of people. So, like, maybe there's not a lot of options. But she's just, like, normal looking. I don't know. I sound really mean right now. But I just, she, the other girls are so fucking pretty. Every time I'm just, like, you're so pretty. Um, but her, so her relation, her, you see a lot of her relationship. She moved into, because it's all boys and all girls school. She moved to the all girls school um, because she was being uh, bullied. Because I believe she was in the middle of transitioning the previous year. And she goes and she meets some new friends who are lesbians and just nice. Actually, I think one is bi. No, I think they're both lesbians. Anyways, it was good. It was fun. Um, I liked it. Uh, there's a character who reminds me of one of my friends and like literally I'm pretty sure it's the same person <laughs> um, you know who you are uh, I was talking to that friend and he said that they had heard that it is a show a gay show for straight women <laughs> um, which I think is probably valid I don't know I don't know but I'll just put that out there <laughs> Uh, it might be, you know, that's, you know what I'm talking about though? Like shows about like wholesome. Yeah. About like specifically like gay men or like gay boys. That's not necessarily (laughs) gay boys (laughs) for a queer audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like, there's lots of soap (laughs) clean. Yeah. I wholesome. Yeah. Was a deliberate. Wholesome is a loaded word. Yeah. To me. Um, It does feel very wholesome. I Mm. think it deals with some stuff. Um, But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I don't think it's as good as I see people like ranting and raving about. I think a lot of times people, they just really want queer content to succeed regardless of quality. I I haven't seen it. So this is not a judge against Heartstopper's quality. It's good. I just thought it. I mean, it's it's a it's a British show, right? So it's a little dry, which is kind of weird. Um, but it's not dry, and I don't know. Unlike here in America, where we have wet shows, just wet, nasty wet shows. <laughs> I did watch this TikTok of this woman who worked at Barnes and Noble, and she there was a group of boys there, and um, they're like, "Oh, Heartstoppers," blah blah blah, and one of the boys was like, "Is that a gay book?" And they and the the girl was like, "Oh God, do, am I really gonna have to hear this?" And then his other friend goes, "No, don't worry, it's a happy ending." And she realized <laughs> that he was he he's because he said like, "Oh, is that a gay book? I just can't do that." Yeah. It wasn't that it was because they're gay. It was because that so many books with gay characters end sadly. <laughs> and she's just like she. It was like this. It was really interesting. She's like, it was just this realization that so much media queer media just ends terribly that someone has to stop reading it um but yeah i liked it i thought it was cute it's 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 very whole nick is wholesome to the bone <laughs> also his mom is played by the queen from um the queen <laughs> uh and she, i was like who is that also he has an australian shepherd it's so cute i'm pretty sure it's an australian shepherd he should have he couldn't have a golden retriever because he's a golden retriever that you can't have two golden retrievers yeah you can't have two golden retrievers i will say and this is spoilers i i had saw this before and i can see they're clearly setting it up um so this is major spoilers um but charlie does have an eating disorder Mm. so that is he likes will stop eating and stuff and they don't necessarily point it out but i know in the comic later on it does become a plot point so that's something to consider um and there is a lot of like vicious bullying um so that's also something to consider so um but it was good i like that nice um i read 
I well, I read the last two issues. I've been reading the series for a while. Um, I read the last two issues of Witch Blood, which is by Matthew Ehrman, Lisa Sturl, and Gab Contreras. This this is the most stylish fucking comic I've ever read in my every page you turn the page and you're like that is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life and then you turn the page again and you're like oh just kidding that is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life um this series is about a witch named Yana um who is on a quest it's been it's been like a year since I read the first few issues so bear with me um she is like on a quest to find another witch and there are vampires who want to kill all all the witches and also everybody else. They want to make everybody vampires basically. Um, And again, the most stylish people you've ever met in your life. This comic is so much fun. I have to confess. I don't always know what's going on. (laughs) There are some times where I'm like, I don't get it, but you know what? I'm having a fucking blast reading it. It's so fun. The art, the colors, the dialogue, exquisite am i 100 percent sure what's happening no that's like do i care no I, I don't think it's very fun or like beautiful but it, like i really love it um i need to watch the new season of the witcher oh okay i have no fucking clue what's going on <laughs> that show but i enjoy watching what's his name and my, watching him growl i've lot. not seen the witcher but i, I don't do think know like it everybody loved toss a coin to your witcher but i never heard the song and it is in the exact cadence of the safety dance so every time my brain goes, toss a coin to your witcher, you can leave your friends behind. <laughs> uh, the guy who, who plays us so good. Um, but yeah, that's probably, remind me, probably because it's called Witch Blood. But yeah. I have no idea what the fuck's going on I think on you that. would enjoy Witch Blood. Yeah. Um, I put the issues away or I would show you. Uh, also, they do a lot of fun like notes like, uh, for, the, for the maximum Witch Blood experience, turn on this song here. Oh, that's cool. And I love that. And I love that because the choices of music are excellent. That's good. Uh, Webtoons does something like that, but it's 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 just like um, instrumental. I will the this is a it's not a real spoiler, but it is a spoiler for one of the music choices. Um, there's a fight scene in in one of the issues that uh, it's recommended that you listen to Chattahoochee by <laughs> oh fuck who did Chattahoochee? I remember the first time I came across something like this, it was being puppy cat. Yes, being cu- so being cool. puppy cat did this very well. Alan Jackson. So it has Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee. Wow, I spelled Chattahoochee wrong. As <laughs> as a uh, a um, backing track for this fight scene in a bar, and it's excellent. It's top notch. Um, so yeah, I really like this series. I think it's a lot of fun. Do I know what's going on at any given moment? Not necessarily, but it, there is nothing more stylish or fun out there in my opinion it's just an absolute blast to read um so if you like that kind of thing check it out um talking about things you have no idea what's going on i saw men (laughs) uh men is by that dude that did ex machina and annihilation and i'm not gonna say too much about it because i'm gonna go see with missy and like literally my reaction i went to go see with my husband he went to another movie he really wanted to see this movie and he also knew there wouldn't be a lot of people in it. And he was right. There were only two other dudes right behind us. And they were annoying and loud. Um, and clapped at the end. And I'm like, I don't think this is a clapping kind of movie. <laughs> um, but I, it ended. And I was like, asked him, I'm like, what do you think? He, he really liked it. And then I said, I need to see this with Missy and Josh. 
<laughs> I need to see it with them. I have I like I need to like process. I need to see it again and I need to process it again because I don't know what the fuck I just watched. I think that all the criticism that's out there about it about it being um a movie about the trauma that that men cause to women specifically by this dude is probably not the best choice and I think it has that issue of like um we're gonna point out something so obvious that men do to women to like essentially gaslight them it's so like it's so basic that it just kind of feels cheap yeah um and like that pulls me out a lot because I'm like I know what you're trying to do and it's not working for me because it's so I hear men don't listen to women write that in there men are not (laughs) listening to women it's like feels like that but it was some of the most fucked up shit I've ever seen. I now I'm curious. So I always wonder with stuff like this, if you're a man and you have this brilliant idea, why not bring a woman on to work on it with you? But before I make a snap judgment, I want to know maybe he did. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe he directed and he had like a female screenwriter or something. I'm going to look right now. Men movie. I'm looking. at. And this is the most Alex Garland thing I've ever seen. The ending of men is whatever you make of it. It's true because um, that truly and I is had you. Two different uh, reactions to the end. No, no, he wrote it. Yeah, male cinematographer, male editor, music by men. Maybe it's a statement. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I saw someone criticizing like this as an A twenty four thing where they use women as plot devices and that seem feminist. Um, but I don't know if I agree with that. I yeah, I would have to. I don't feel that way about the witch i think we've i mean we've talked we've extensively talked about we have a whole episode on that. the witch and the but ending I, but i don't think that they went out to like make a feminist movie <sighs> that's a whole box of worms for me i just don't know if i completely agree i could be jada because i really like the movies <laughs> like yeah. a24 movies in general i i i can see where that argument comes from because a lot of the main characters in a24's most impactful movies are women Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the witch, the, um, hereditary, hereditary midsummer, um, fucking Zola. Oh, I still need to see that. Um, there's other ones too, but then there's ones that aren't right. The lighthouse, moonlight, um, the other ones, and then there's ones that are about women but are directed by women. Mm-hmm. There's like uh, not Spring Breakers, the fucking other one, uh, <sighs> the Bling Ring. Oh yeah, uh, the, I think. Spring Breakers was directed by a man, but it looks like it feels like it was. <laughs> um, so, like, I see where you, what what that person is getting at yeah, with that I criticism. That. I don't, and I like I thought about that too because I was thinking. I don't know why I was thinking about Ari Aster's movies the other day, but the fact that both of them are about women, mm-hmm. ostensibly, and like the fact that they are both by. I think I saw somebody saying Midsommar was misogynistic or something, and I was like. I could not disagree with you more, but whatever. Um, so I was kind of thinking about it in that context. And I like I think that it's not they're not free from criticism, right? No. And I think it's a trend worth paying attention to. But I think that uh I think that something like men is in a different category. A different category than something like Midsumar, which I would argue is in some ways about the um the intentional uh, like self-victimization mm-hmm. of white women. I think that when you have a movie called Men, 
you're yeah. making a statement. You're making a statement, and you didn't do it well. But what I what I will give this movie, and what I want to like not talk about the most, is there is a scene that's so fucked up, and I love that men have to watch it. Mm-hmm. I like literally the scene started happening. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I was saying it out you loud. You were that. You were that sickos comic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, yes. Make men watch this. <laughs> I, like I said that out loud in mm-hmm. the theater. Um, and like I is so fucked up and weird. And I just like I appreciated that part of it because I feel it was meant to like make make people feel uncomfortable. And let me tell you, it made me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea. I think that it's much more um I think it's much more constructive to make men feel uncomfortable than to just point out things they do dumb. Yeah. Um, like I like I like the make people feel uncomfortable. And, like, what does this actually mean? I, I don't know what it actually That's, means. But the thing with Alex Garland's movies, to me, the, the ones that I've seen being Ex Machina and Annihilation, is that they always, like, it's it's good. Almost there. Yeah, you're almost there. And, like, I always get to the end of his movies and I go, I don't know what you were doing. I know what I'm taking away from this. And I don't know that you did a good job. But I took something away. I took something away. Um, I think- because like, sorry, thinking of Ex Machina, like uh-huh. that was really. I feel like that was a really fifty-fifty split as to whether yeah. you saw the ending of Mo- Ex Machina as horrifying or liberating. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's this too. Yeah. And I feel like that could be from Annihilation too. I think that this he just makes a certain kind of movie. Right? I get really annoyed with Annihilation just because I, I love the book. I, yeah, I know you do. Um, I I I have a feeling, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, and maybe this is just a knee-jerk reaction because I came out of it not feeling the way a lot of people who who would consider themselves feminists feel, feel. I feel like it's hard to like maybe admit you might enjoy or literally allow yourself enjoy to enjoy a movie that might be misogynistic because mm-hmm. you're so held in like, I'm a feminist. But if one thing romance books have told me, it's okay to put your quote-unquote feminism to the side to enjoy something <laughs> yeah i mean i like it's always going to depend on what it is for yes, me but like yeah. but like noted sucker punch enjoyer missy yeah. here um i think that sometimes things that are bad can also be good i think you know that <laughs> spicing pipe, <laughs> spicy piping hot takes here but i i think that there is some like I mean, something like The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover Mm -hmm. uh, is so repulsive and so disgusting and also really liberating. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually, I think that um, that movie with the long title is probably, I haven't seen it, probably a better movie than men. (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, like, that is a movie that is violent and threatening toward women. And I I mean, it's making a point by doing so. But it is also, and it's hard to watch often at times. There's, like, sexual assault in the movie. Um, But at the same time, like, I'm getting something out of it. I'm, yeah. I'm, and I think that you can do that with a bad movie too, like yeah. a movie that is not doing a good job at the message it's trying to say. Like, I think you can get something valuable out of that too. Yeah. I think that there's totally valid reasons to not like it for it being a misogynistic movie. I totally agree, but I just think that it's really easy to, and like, it's difficult to explain because like a lot of people are right. This is a movie about the trauma that men cause women, written by a man, and like, there's a lot to 
critique there. Mm-hmm. But I do think I came away saying I liked that movie. And yeah. it almost like when I go look at reviews, I almost start to feel bad. Oh, yeah. I, I totally know that feeling and you have to fight like, it. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't like this movie. But I'm like, I and that's something I've done in the past where I have to be like, um, no, I liked this and that's OK. Yeah, it, it is totally OK to have. I mean, again, noted sucker punch liker, <laughs> um, which is absolutely a misogynistic and gross movie on many levels. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy yeah. the experience of watching it. Um, most of it, there are parts of it where I'm just like, okay, it's time to turn it off. (laughs) Um, but like something like men that is making, uh, you know, making a statement and maybe doing it poorly. I think, I think it's, it's like, it's totally fine to still enjoy it. Like, and it's interesting because you were talking about this, you talked about, uh, it was a horror movie. I know. I'm, I'm, was it Black Christmas, the remake? Uh, Which one? That you didn't like, you said it was way too heavy-handed. Oh no, it wasn't that. That was bad too. But it was like I was just thinking about that. I can't remember what it's called, but it was. I'm pretty sure it was actually by a woman. And it is uh, every night a man comes and tortures, um, like tries to kill essentially a woman, and no man believes them in the end. And spoilers, it turns out that every woman has a man that tries to kill them at the end. Uh-huh. And it was just like, this is the trauma that men cause women. But like, and that could be so interesting. But it was like, what I just said is as deep as it gets. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that it like, sometimes those direct messages really work for people like the movie, the I think it's just called Revenge, the rape revenge film by a, fr- a female French director. I, mm-hmm. I think it might just be called Revenge. Uh, I didn't like it. It didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me. A lot of people found it really empowering. Mm-hmm. I actually found it less interesting than I Spit on Your Grave, which is fucked up, fucked up and misogynistic. Like I found the French film to be less interesting to me thematically and like visually than I Spit on Your Grave. And like maybe that makes me a terrible feminist, but that's how it goes sometimes. Like I think a movie like I Spit on Your Grave gave me a lot to think about in terms of how it was constructed and what it was doing. And that's why it left more of a thoughtful impression on me than revenge did. Mm. Um, And it kind of, I I mean, I can't speak for you. I haven't seen men, but it kind of sounds like that's what men did is it left you with something to chew on in a way that maybe that other movie that you're thinking of didn't. I just think that when you talk a lot, there's been like, if, if those movies were made 15 years ago, there would have been, it would have felt different. Yeah. But we've had so many conversations and so much of this is like, we've had a lot written about it and maybe it's just because we talk about these things a lot. Right. So for me, it just doesn't get deep enough. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why I feel that way. But I'm very curious what you'll feel. Like, I I really want to know. I, f- I have a feeling I know how you're going to feel, um, but I really want to know what you come out. And just like, I don't know. If it didn't have that fucked up scene, I might feel the same way as other people. Mm-hmm. Um. But it what's uh, what I, I it's also a folk, folk horror movie and I fucking you know I love yeah it. of course folk horror. of course so that might also be just be like I can't know like a folk sometimes horror. you have just the perfect <laughs> confluence of things that interest you even though you're like maybe this isn't very good but fuck if I you know yeah. fuck if I don't love it it's like shitty fries yeah I love fries <laughs> shitty fries I still like them yeah onion rings shitty onion rings I still like them yeah um like I had onion rings last night and they were shitty but I still liked them yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to see it with you. I really want to know how you feel and I'm sure we'll have a big long conversation afterwards. And I think everybody's critiques on it is valid, but I definitely think maybe there needs to be, um, a look inside of 
is the movie misogynistic? And it might be. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily feel that way because I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Maybe it is. And I, I could change my mind. But I just think that there is this hesitation to allow something to be maybe, like you said, not good. <laughs> and But still enjoy it. Yeah. And I thought this was an enjoyable folk horror. And yet the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's because it's squeaky clean and not I want to see a folk horror Marvel movie. What would that be? I feel like somewhere in the Marvel universe that exists. Oh, I'm sure it does. I don't know where, but I bet it does. I'm sure it does, and I want to see it. I love folk horror. And this movie was definitely one of the ones where it had the best, like, almost scary, but not super scary. Mm -hmm. Also, if anyone's watched Disenchanted, um, I think it's the where the the king starts honking a lot. There's a scene in this where I turn to my husband like, it's the king from Disenchanted. And if you've watched Disenchanted, it's fucking hilarious. Hey, hot hot question for you yeah untitled goose game yeah is it folk horror <laughs> i don't remember like what do, what are the things that are needed to be folk horror i don't know i think the goose terrorizing the village represents the the wild encroaching i feel like I untitled could, goose game is is folk horror i could agree with that because it's kind of like midsummer it's it's the untitled goose game it's folk horror from the perspective of the horror. Because it's a little town. Mm-hmm. And the, the goose is really fucking terrorizing everyone <laughs> and like stealing their shit. I can't get behind that. I think that the goose would have to murder somebody. Yeah. But we don't I, know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. It could happen. Yeah. So, men, yeah, I'm excited to see it with you. I hope <laughs> we'll have time to see it today because I want to have a big, long conversation. If not today, we'll see it Monday. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is I rewatched all of the good place while I was working. Was it a good place? It was. It was a good place. Um, I still think this is a very good show. I do. I I legitimately think this is a really good show. On rewatch, there were a few things that like stood out to me as things that I didn't like so much. The big one being the just everything about Jason. I love Jason. I love Jason. Jason deserves better. Why was it? I know why everybody was so mean to Jason, and it's because I really again really like. I think almost all of Michael Schur's shows that I've seen, but there always has to be a character who is just there to be mocked. Yeah. And in this show, it's Jason. And I just, as it went on, I got increasingly frustrated with the fact that Jason like didn't get to have the same amount of growth as other characters. Instead, he just like randomly starts dropping pearls of wisdom. And I'm like, I actually really like that direction for Jason, but people are still surprised when he does it. And I, I don't want that. I want somebody to feel like Jason has grown alongside them and not treat it like a surprise every time mm-hmm. he does something smart. Um, especially because so I felt like so little was paid attention to on the part of the characters. I think the show was very deliberate about it, about Jason's upbringing and his circumstances and like how that contributed to him being this like petty criminal. Um, I thought the show did a good job of pointing that out, but the characters did not seem to get it. And the characters are created by the writers of the show. So like did the show do a good job of pointing it out? You know, Um, the other big thing, the first time I watched the show is like, yeah, cheating Eleanor. The second time I watched the show is like, I don't know that they have any chemistry. Mm-hmm. I really like them as friends. Like I really, really, really legitimately love them as friends. But the fact that the show so often had to be like, and they are so horny for each other <laughs> just made me feel like, I feel like you're trying to cover up the fact that they don't really have chemistry. <laughs> and it's a shame. Because I really like both characters. And I, like I said, I really love their friendship, but like, I, I, I almost think the show would have worked better without the romance between them. 
um, I think that it would have been really profound to have them have like their final exchange together without it being romantic. Um, I still cried a lot in that last episode. I still think mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, but I, I still think I like I, I do. I think it's a great show and I really enjoyed watching it. And I think that it does a lot to introduce a lot of complicated ideas um, in a really effective way. Most of the time, there are some times where like the, the episode with the trolley problem is very, very funny. Um, but I don't know that it's doing much to like talk about what the trolley problem is doing, except for what it's doing for Chidi. Which is like fine. It's a show about characters, but also like it's very. I remember now, now, now. Yeah, it, like it's it's great for for Chidi, but I don't know that it goes much further beyond that unless it's only talking to people who are like Chidi, which is again fine. It just I felt like it could have been more effective. One of the most effective things to me was in the final season, everything with the people that run the good place, uh, and the fact that they don't do anything. And I was like, now I don't know. I don't know if Michael Schur is like deliberately commenting on like Democrats, <laughs> but, but it sure does feel like this group of people who won't put up a fight because it's against the rules <laughs> and who are timely. Yeah. And who are just let will absolutely willing to let the world be complete and utter shit because they don't want to put up a fight. I'm like, that feels pointed. Um, was it? I don't know. But that is how I felt watching the final season. Um, yeah, I think I read an essay and I don't I really don't want to give any details on this because I don't want I don't want anybody to seek it out <laughs> for reasons that will remain in my mind. And after You'll this episode, when I explain it to Mary, um, <laughs> I read this essay the other day that referred to something as very philosophy 101. And that was a uh, a mark against it in the writer's opinion. and. The thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. The world as it is, most people need philosophy 101. <laughs> I was going to say, this is a show on what, NBC? We don't need to jump right to philosophy 400. Like, a, a lot of people have never encountered philosophy. and I think it's fake. Yeah, or it's useless. It has no relevance to their life. And and I think one of the things this show does is it explains philosophy actually is very relevant to our lives. Um everybody's life not just people who who have a fucking podcast like it's it's relevant to everybody's life philosophy can you know teach us about like i think one of the most effective lessons in the show is in the last couple episodes about grief mm-hmm. um and about moving on and that kind of that's that shit gets me every time um i i think that what the show does is it shows very well that philosophy is relevant to all of us and um, it works as an introduction to a lot of concepts that, you know, you might one night late Google and look up on Wikipedia and then you get fucking tired because it's hard to read. You know, yeah, it's hard. I say outlining the Matrix episode like this. It's hard. And having it having it letting it letting something ease you into it and like introduce you to concepts that you probably wouldn't look up on your own, I think is actually really good and i think sometimes it is good to approach things with an assumption that your audience doesn't know anything about philosophy um and to introduce those ideas sideways or backwards or in a way that is approachable or just like demonstrating the literal trolley problem so that people know what the trolley problem is and then maybe maybe they look the trolley problem up and they're like oh that's interesting i didn't know that you know i think it's good yeah i agree i would totally agree um like one of the things that like listening to philosophize this 
which is a podcast about philosophy that I've talked about before. I really like Philosophize This because it introduces things in a, a digestible way. And then I can, on my own time, look up the philosophers whose ideas really interest me and pursue those individually rather than like feeling like I need to start at the beginning and then like read everything. I'm like, okay, I have a primer on these different modes of thought. Marcusa really interests me. So I'm going to read Marcusa. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's valuable. And I think that the good place serves a similar function. And I think that we have such a problem with anti-intellectualism in our country. There are problems with, with like elitism in intellectualism too, but like there isn't anti anti-intellectualism bent to our country um despite telling all the millennials we have to go to college right uh, like listen if i have to see that what the writer meant by the blue curtains that the curtains are blue if i have to see that graphic one more time i will explode that is my joker moment <laughs> i will come to your house and i will turn all your curtains blue and i will explain to you why i did it in deep meaning um that is the thing that will jokerify me but like there is there is anti-intellectualism in our culture, right? And in fact, a lot of the concepts that you learn through philosophy and that kind of thing are relevant every day. Not all of them. We don't all need to be Diogenes and the fucking behold a man with a goose thing. Like we don't that's not relevant to all of us. The the relentless like trying to categorize what the smallest possible building block that makes up a person is, that's not really relevant to all of us. But yeah. stuff like grieving and um, the book that kind of forms the thesis of The Good Place, which is what we owe to each other. Um, those kinds of things, I think, are are relevant on a daily basis. I think the failure comes in um, letting people know these simple things are philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Because you wouldn't, you know, when you hear the word philosophy, you think of like an image of Socrates. Yeah. And it's like, that guy doesn't know shit about my life. Yeah. That that man would faint if he saw a, a cell phone, you know? <laughs> If he, he just ate his pants, if he ate sriracha, he would die immediately. Like he doesn't know anything. Imagine if he saw a plane, like he'd lose his fucking mind. He'd lose his mind. But um, you know, this philosophy as a as a uh, a branch of something. I don't know. I talked too much and now I lost my mind. Um anyway. You lost your mind? I did. I I had sriracha and I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like a common, a common uh, side effect. <laughs> I don't even sriracha. really like sriracha. <laughs> I like it on eggs. It's yeah, it's not my favorite hot sauce. I'm more of a Cholula gal. Yeah, I'm you not know? big on hot sauce. Just I love a Cholula. I love a Tapatio. Tapatio is good. This is what people come for. Is the the hot sauce discussion? At Disneyland, you can get little, little teeny tiny bottles of. I think it's of Tapatio, and then they have little tiny bottles of the. Shaky stuff you can put on tahin. I did get tahin yeah. when we were there. It's just really cute, and it's one of those things where it's like a Disney thing. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> um. Anyway, philosophy. It's good, actually. <laughs> it's a hot take. Another but, serious but hot on take. this podcast has always been good. Yeah. Uh. But the Good Place, I think, is a good show overall. I think it has some some features that are going to be a little too twee for people and a little too cutesy and um, there are some parts of the humor that didn't work for me. The fart jokes I just can't guys. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't with the bad Janet fart jokes. Uh, good for her I guess um, but overall I really love this show and I think it's good. It's not as good as Pushing Daisies but what else? So um, that's it for this episode you can find us online at fakeeatgirlscast.com which has all of our previous episodes and we link to our Patreon if you want to toss a coin to your podcaster that's a joke that's probably been made 
five million times. Yeah. One of the Patreons I have. But not is, here because no. I haven't seen The Witcher. <laughs> one of the Patreons I follow is Toss a Coin to whatever their name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toss a Coin to The Witcher. The Witcher. You can leave your friends behind. Uh, if you like us, consider leaving us a review on your podcast service of choice. Um, our friend left us a review and it's our most recent review and it's very silly. Oh gosh. Um, I've not seen that. Oh, I think he left it while you were in the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's something about being juicy and oh, goodness. I don't even know. Oh, anyway, leave us a review that's not about being juicy, please. Or, you know, if that's the only way you're going to write a review, then fine. Leave us a review that is nothing but all the lyrics to Juicy by Doja Cat. Or Bitch, I'm a Cow. Or Bitch, I'm a Cow by Doja Cat. <laughs> that would be spectacular. <laughs> next next time, we're going to be doing The Matrix. We're going to do two episodes on The Matrix. Matrix. The first one is going to be The Matrix. The second one is The Animatrix. And the third one is The Matrix Reloaded. Um, that's for the first episode. That's the first episode. I think The Animatrix is the best one so far. That's my opinion. Uh, the second episode will be... Uh, the Matrix Revolutions or whatever it's called and the Matrix, the Matrix Resurrection or whatever it's called. I don't remember what they're called. They all have re in them and I don't remember what it, what the what it is attached to. After that, it's pushing daisies season. It's time to push the daisies. It's perfect for spring. It's perfect for spring and death and dying. Um, it's my favorite show ever. After that, we're going to be doing What We Do in the Shadows. Almost certainly, uh, our, pat- our patrons have spoken and... Uh, what we do in the shadows is winning. The other things on the poll need a strong showing if they're going to overtake what we do in the shadows. I don't think it's going to happen. So you can look forward to what we do in the shadows. We'll probably do the movie and the show because I think that it would be interesting to have all of them. Um, And that's it. All right. Catch you on the flip side.